We work so hard to get stronger, happier, more productive and successful. Don't forget the secret ingredient. Get grounded in play. Play grounding when it's time to get a life. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Playgrounding. This is Kara Stewart-Fortier, and once again, I'm coming to you from inside the treehouse here at Theory Labs at the Brewery Arts Colony here in LA. The interviews are back! I had some fun over the last few episodes, kind of laying down some of my own philosophies and what my own ideas and theories about what makes great play and how to really get deep into it and have it be transformative in your life. But from here on out, it's interviews, interviews, interviews. I'm going to bring on even more inspiring people. Um, I want to bring onto this show people whose lives are in some way showing us the power of play, Um, whether it be in their career, in their off time, whatever it is. They're people who inspire me and try to keep me on track because I'm horrible at remembering to incorporate play into my life. And I have a podcast on play. I even put on my calendar every night, play, just to remind myself to do something that's not work-related, housework-related, etc. So I am doing this as much for me as I am for you. And today you're going to love my guest. His name is AJ Frainsteinson. There is a little nepotism going on here, but, you know, why not? (laughs) He's one of the people who came into my life over the last few years. And he showed me just how far you can go when you let play basically be your guiding light. Um, That's kind of what he did, did, as you'll discover in the interview. He's the creative director of a company called Rab Cup. And in the interest of full disclosure, AJ is my husband's business partner. AJ is called Rabbit. My husband, Justin, is called Cupcake. So you got Rab Cup. AJ is the creative director and my husband is the technical director. So in other words, AJ makes pretty things um, and my husband executes the production side to make the pretty things look pretty and be out there for the world to see. Um, They specialize, Cup specializes in 3D projection mapping, holographic art, and other unique and interesting video solutions. And While the company itself is relatively new, they've been doing this for a very long time. Um, Between them, they have about 20 years of production and live event collaboration experience. And I mean, lots and lots of different kinds of events. Um, They've been conceptualizing, designing, and doing different um, audiovisual environments with theater, broadcast, film, art installations, music touring, festivals, corporate events, and basic production design. Um, So these guys light up, you know, 20-story buildings. They do art pieces and video installations at places like Burning Man and Coachella. Um, Wherever they go, this is the catcher. They leave people gasping for breath. I mean, you know that moment when you're just watching something, you're just like, whoa. (laughs) you're 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 cheering you're you're excited you're smiling all the way home that's what they do for a living it's a really amazing thing that they've got going but aj didn't grow up dreaming about becoming an innovator in audiovisual experiences i mean he wasn't sitting in his second grade class saying someday i want to be one of the only users in the world of the most advanced servers that do 3d projection no 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 um but 
as you'll see in this interview, it's pretty amazing how things that he did as a child and decisions he started making when he was very young about what really turned him on, what really lit him up, have really guided his career. Um, people have fun and amazing careers in, in innovative fields, not because they're lucky. I mean, even sometimes they are, but there's no point in being lucky if you're not ready and if you haven't already chosen and made decisions about how you're going to choose your path. Um, and when opportunity arose and when AJ got lucky, AJ was ready. And that's the kind of, you know, person I wanted to bring onto this podcast today. So in this interview, you'll hear how his inspiration from childhood, the things that inspired him when he was young, led him down the path he's on right now, as well as how he plays right now, how he manages to keep his own creative juices flowing. So now let's meet AJ. Steenston, I'm so excited that I've got to finally get this interview with you. I swear you have the most crazy schedule, almost as crazy as my husband's. And <laughs> well, pretty much, pretty much exactly as crazy as your exactly. husband's schedule, actually. Exactly. So yes, as I mentioned, AJ is the um, co-owner um, of Rab Cup. He is the business partner of my husband, and that's how I came to know him. I'm very lucky to have him as a brother. And um, I'm interested, I brought him onto Playgrounding today because he is a huge inspiration to me as far as somebody who has a, I don't know if there's a through line, we'll find out today, but he definitely <laughs> has a philosophy of life and he follows it and it has led him to extraordinary places. And that's kind of where I wanted to pick your brain a little bit. Fantastic. Well, let's <laughs> let's jump right in. Where All do right. you want to start picking it up? Um, go ahead. Well, tell me, let's start at the beginning. You've had quite a, like, we know where you are now. You're this creative director. You're doing amazing things. How did you start out? You've had a number of different types of careers, right? Yeah, I've, I've loved to jump around. Um, it's uh, I, I've lived every dream I've ever wanted to live. Oh. Um, it's... It's it's been a it's been a few years in different places and jumping to other ones and I've I've really enjoyed coming through each of those experiences and the daunting task of looking for another one is never daunting <laughs> things just they don't line up like we work really hard to create what we are and uh, to to figure out where we where we want to go yeah um, where did I start um, I, I started in Canada I'm, I'm Canadian we all know that a little bit of a how y'all doing today yeah. a that's a little Texas with Canada but um, it, it started it started with my mother uh, she was in um, she was a nurse uh, we had moved to Saskatoon Saskatchewan and she wanted to get into nursing I was in little school and all of a sudden there was this newsletter from school about hey there's something about clowning and I remember I, I had lost this piece of paper uh, out of my backpack. And for some reason, I felt like I needed to choose, choose, uh, chase this piece of paper because mom probably really wants to see this thing. I didn't even see the clowning thing, but it was really important <laughs> to have the uh, the newsletter delivered. Yes. Um, I brought it home, and there was a there was a parcel in there about clown education, and it was uh, it was through Cirque du Soleil. So it was the European Ooh. school of clowning, uh, different from American, less yeah, slapstick, yeah. more caring and teaching. Yeah. Um, and that started growing. It was, it was a group. It was called the IDC, the International Dream Corporation. Cool. Uh, they were on like the fourth floor of a warehouse in downtown Saskatoon. And what they wanted to teach was 
all aspects of creation. Mm -hmm. um, like I remember going to puppetry classes, mm -hmm. and I, and uh, in the summers, uh, she would she would teach um, to libraries around around the province about nutrition. Her name was Giglioni, um, and she had a little puppet called Nurse Gig. <laughs> Uh, and her, uh, the woman she worked with was, um, uh, Melba Toast was her partner cool. and, uh, and they would teach these classes or not classes, these, um, things for students mm -hmm. and Jordy and I, my little brother, um, we became part of this and we would go to the, we'd go to the circus education things with them and they met once a week. And we became part of their group. Um, we did the opening to the Jeux Canada Games a few times. Wow. Uh, it, was, uh, it was magical. I'd never been part of anything like that. So yeah. we had the, the, I remember there was a 40-foot stilt walker, this French woman. <laughs> I'd, never, I'd never met a French woman before. She would do ballet on stilts. Um, so they built these huge puppets. Um, they did a 40-foot Mother Earth puppet. And uh, it was uh, it, it was on a telephone pole, and inside it they had all these strings that they would move, and the puppet birthed all these parts of life. And me and my little brother were really lucky to be the little buffalo, and so like we'd run around as a little buffalo, and we had this. I didn't really understand it at the time. At the time, it was all this magical world we were playing in, mm -hmm. um, created by beautiful artists. We didn't have any idea what all this meant. Um, so we'd, we'd go to this, and I remember riding my bike down every day because we had to get to the puppets, and we had, pardon me, we had to be the buffalo. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that kind of started it all. So we, we were doing these circus classes. So uh, my mother sent us to circus camp, and for th three years, every summer, we did two weeks in circus camp. I didn't know you did circus camp. Are you serious? No. Oh, no, no. It was oh that, so, uh, so the unicycle. So I, I learned how to unicycle, oh and I learned how to stilt walk. Oh, my goodness. Um, and we, we did... Um, we did juggling. I never got juggling. I, the, those body movements, I was I was never good at. Uh, I could juggle silks, but um, uh, right after circus camp, uh, I went to a magic class. Canada was awesome for that. They had all these mm -hmm. like community outreach things done by professionals around the country just to educate kids. Wow. And uh, uh, I, I, again, it was the early '80s. I was a child. I don't know how it was happening, but there was all these <laughs> things at our fingertips and. Uh, so for an entire summer, I was taught by these amazing, there was these amazing magicians. There was mm -hmm. Michael Blacksalt, there was these pair of twins, and they taught us all this magical stuff. Um, there was a guy I met there, his name was Jason, I don't remember his last name, but uh, we started a magic troupe, me and him. It was called J&A's Magic Show, which is <laughs> kind of funny because Justin and I now yeah. have this company, which is a whole other direction, yeah, exactly. but so I've always worked with Justin's or yes. Jay's. Um, <laughs> And uh, we we would do magic shows. I remember we'd have pyro. We'd have we had we had the six foot guillotine, and what? and uh, so we were like I was like I don't know ten nine ten at tops. He was thirteen. Uh, we had the six foot guillotine that we chopped watermelons in half with, and then oh we take God. the birthday boy who was like seven or eight, mm -hmm. put his hands in there and put his neck in there, and the parents were always pretty freaked out by this point. We yeah, pull the chopper and nothing would happen. The blade would just magically go through. But yeah. it was it was fun all the time. Everything was magical all the time. Um, wow. Uh, so after these magic shows in Canada for a while. Um, Growing up up there, uh, my mother finished her master's, and there was there was no advanced nursing jobs in Canada. Um, mm -hmm. She struggled for a long time looking for those, uh, and then a headhunter found her in Houston, Texas. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so we moved down to Texas, uh, which was crazy. It was like, I was... Blah, blah, blah. 
12, going on 13, mm-hmm. moving to oh, Texas. Yeah. Um, I thought it was all horses and and cowboys. Of course, it's never like that no, at all. No, but no. in the mind of a 13-year-old, like, what am I going to? I was yeah. really excited. Oh, you were? Oh, okay. no, I was totally excited. Except when I got down there, the first week it was 110 for a week straight. <laughs> and I'd never experienced that at all. Yeah. So... Um, no, I got down there. We were we were blessed to be in a, a really new school district. Um, when I was in junior high there and did and was into acting. It was the closest thing we had to this world that I had just come from. Mm-hmm. And I fell in love with technical theater. Mm-hmm. That was really the beginning of all of the career was seeing this drive of oh, there's lights mm-hmm. and there's control of lights. Um, and I liked I liked acting and I like I like being backstage. Um, and so I went through school for that, um, and I did my college education and my master's education in theater, mm-hmm. uh, lighting design for theater. At the time, that's that's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be on Broadway, and I wanted to see this world of magical where you can create emotions or you can work with the emotions on stage and not influence them, but build them up, yeah. uh, make things bigger than they are. Um, I always like to see people smiling. Mm-hmm. Uh, or emote in some way. Um, and I love being backstage. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I love being like in prop land or acting land and hiding behind the curtain and yeah. the stuff before the show and peeking out. And I love the shows that would go on for a few weeks where you'd start messing with the characters on stage and putting things inside props to try and make the characters on stage laugh, but not oh, laugh yeah. so the audience wouldn't see. So yes. it was always like, how can we how can we constantly make things interesting? And I mean, at the time, looking back, I wasn't at the point yet of like, oh, this is play and it's fun, but it was like, it was all giggling. Mm-hmm. And I, always trying to keep it interesting and like be some kind of light within this world. Yeah. Um, it, later, it turned into school. Mm-hmm. And, and school was, uh, school was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, went to a couple of really good, really good colleges. Um, spent many years in a black box playing with the craft, developing it. Playing, learning computers, getting really big into technology, and just always trying to push that envelope. Mm-hmm. Um, I got out of school, and I, the first thing I did was I went on this big Broadway tour. It was Doctor Doolittle's um, stage show. It was Doctor Doolittle live on Broadway. Cool. And it was touring the country. It was this huge, multi-million-dollar play. I was a spotlight operator. Nice. Uh, I was on tour with a very good friend of mine, Roger, from undergrad. Um, very good friend, just to speak on Roger for a minute. Um, I met him really early. We, we've always kind of played in the same world. Uh, he went to New York in the end. He's doing amazing things. I'm out here in L.A. But mm-hmm. So the two of us are on this, uh, this show. He, he got me the show. And uh, it was supposed to go for a year and a half. And I was like, I'm set after school. And God, six weeks into it? Oh, my God. It was the first time that I was doing a theater show that lasted over six weeks. And I was bored. <laughs> It, it, I, re- I felt that way too the first time yeah. I had a longer term run mm-hmm. I was like and someone said you want to be on Broadway and I overheard these people in the subway on the way home from Queens saying oh god I can never get everything done on Monday it's the only day I can do anything and I would see friends blah, blah, and I'm like wow maybe I don't want to be on Broadway that was the thing <laughs> yeah. I was I, and this huge light ball of energy like went up in my head as like all I've really loved about this mm-hmm. is change. And um, mm. it, it turned out, I, I, I did like what I was doing. I loved what I was doing. Yeah. But I couldn't do it forever. I mean, there, there are some people that do a really, really good job of plays that last for years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they do it perfectly. And they tie up little moments every night. And they make it better and run smoother and run cheaper. 
It wasn't for me. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I had. It was the first time that I questioned everything I was doing, and I had to find something else to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got into production, production work, uh, corporate work. It changes every day. Mm-hmm. Um, I got into rock and roll, and mm-hmm. uh, that's where I met Justin. Yeah. Um, Justin was a friend. We'd show up at this bar once a week. Uh, I think it was a Wednesday. <laughs> they had good music. Trance was still hot back then. Trance. Oh, trance. We were so into it. <laughs> and uh, we just meet. We talk about theater once a week. Um, Justin uh, ended up running the bar next door. Mm-hmm. I did an install for him on the side. Like We were doing these amazing shows. I was working with bands I never heard of. We worked with small bands, big bands. It was it was a dream. I was uh, I was in front of house, was mixing things. You know, there was a story I remember you telling. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember you told about that there was some show, and you were there, and you saw the guy behind the board, and you walked up to him and said, "I'm going to do this." Job. Yeah. No. No. <laughs> okay. Um, th- that was in high school. Um, I, I was going to a show with a dear friend William and his parents. Uh, it was my first rock concert. And I was so excited. It was the Cynthia Woods, Mitchell Pavilion, Houston, Texas, an outdoor amphitheater. Uh, I'd never been to something like that before. And the bands on stage were Scorpions and Alice Cooper. Oh, yeah. No, and it was like, I, I'm, I was still at the point where like everything I heard from my parents back in the day was really cool in my head. I, yeah. I loved it. And <laughs> I remember being there and I wanted to be at front of house. And I saw these beautiful computers and these amazing, like the, the, the sound desk is six feet wide. The, the lighting desk is five feet across. And these guys are just mashing buttons. And I, I wandered over to front of house and somehow got in there. And the, the gentleman running in, a guy named Mike Kennedy, who's been designing for him for years, like actually talked to me. Mm-hmm. And I ended up working with the guy years later and, <laughs> uh, awesome. and working with some of the bands he'd worked with. Mm-hmm. And it was this brilliant kind of turnaround. But that kind of that leads into um, some other show at Cynthia Woods. I don't I, I always wondered how I ended up back on the end of the, this beginning of a dream. Mm-hmm. And I missed being backstage, um, being around the actors, being around the people. I, it, it was something that was developing for years. Mm-hmm. But it, it was at this outdoor venue because uh, there was this huge canopy above it, the winds blowing. And at front of house, that's where you run the lighting console out front or wherever you're standing. And you're very much alone out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're creating. You're, you're, you're creating what you think people want to see. You're working with the director or the designers about where they want to go. But you're standing there by yourself. And for a while, I didn't know what to bring or to get from all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was this one night and all the lights went off. Well, I turned all the lights off. <laughs> and so... <laughs> And the curtain went up, and before the actors came on, there was this beautiful opening sequence we had programmed. It was a wonderful collaboration. And we, I hit the cues, and the buttons were going, and I had this thing around me. There was a negative pressure in the room, mm-hmm. and I don't know how to describe it. It was, it was, everybody was breathing. And it was the beginning of that where this mantra of living for this breath this breath of like it was a feeling that just got me excited Mm -hmm. like it was it was touching people that they didn't know what they were doing yeah or what i was doing but we were having this collective moment of joy Mm -hmm. and that's kind of started it all that's been me since then is i've i don't you can't ask me who i've worked with i i really honestly don't remember over the years (laughs) there's just so much input all the time yeah and there's 
so many moments, but I do know that that's why I do what I do. Mm -hmm. That's the only thing I need. It's not applause. It's not pats on the back. If I can make that room lose some pressure and live for that breath, yeah, it's my everyday. Oh my gosh. And it, you just totally gave me goosebumps. You've described this before, but for some reason right now, I'm like, oh, because it is so incredibly special what you're describing that you found this moment, this, this way to touch people's lives, you know, and all of us can think of something we've seen. If you've been to maybe Cirque du Soleil, maybe, you know, something else where you've been sitting there as an audience member and that moment, you have no idea what's coming and the lights go down and then something just truly fantastic or touching or beautiful happens and you just, you know? Yeah, totally. That, so, so when I first heard that, it's like as somebody who's always on this like hunt, what do I want to do with my life? Blah, blah, blah. And it just, always struck me as such a beautiful thing that that is how you started making career decisions. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I guess you're right. It's yeah, an amazing a, a thing. A lot of decisions were made through <laughs> through that feeling. Yeah, or, or chasing that to some degree. And what about now? Like you have, you've now developed a reputation for this. This is what you do. Um, not only do you you know, go out there and, and execute on these magnificent, huge things. Um, I don't know if you want, if it's okay for me to like oh, list no, any uh, of them, whatever. Yeah, we, you, we can talk about anything that's already out there. That's already out, sure. whatever. <laughs> you, they, you do have done some white label things in the past. That's the yeah. only reason I'm, I'm mentioning oh, this. Oh, no, no worries. Um, uh, it's, it's, what happened was we, we were growing. We saw some beautiful art. I think that's where Justin and I finally started aligning. There was no final, just accidentally, naturally we found this beautiful thing happening in Europe. And uh, that was projection mapping. Mm -hmm. And this um, was back a long a ways time, like this is, 10 years ago? This is like 10 years ago. Okay. Um, it, was, it was a few years of development, even just if we could start playing with it. And we saw people taking projectors and doing them on buildings and projecting on objects. Very, very basic. Uh, the projectors weren't bright enough. Everything there were everything was white and grayscale because yeah. everything was so dim that that's the only way you could see stuff. Mm -hmm. And I fell in love with it. It was it was magic. Mm -hmm. Like everyday objects, the people that were walking by, mm -hmm. they would stop and in their tracks and just stare up. Like you know the thing oh, about yeah. like when you go to New York, you can always tell the tourists because they're looking uh -huh. up. Yeah, you know, that thing. You and I, 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 I cautiously when I'm in another city, be like, okay, don't look like a tourist. <laughs> don't look like a tourist. But like this thing made everybody stop and look. Yeah. And they were touring in the world that they'd already been. Mm -hmm. like, and it was this last level of magic. Like, it, everybody in the world today is so commonplace of, we have technology everywhere, we have special effects, we, ha we have digitization, we have video games, and, like, nothing is spectacular anymore. Mm -mm. And nothing is unknown. But there's one thing we found of a pixel projected on something that looks like it's supposed to be there, like a frog walking across a mm -hmm. building or a fish swimming on a sidewalk. Some of these are examples of some of yeah. the best people I've ever seen in the industry mm -hmm. was just magic. Yeah. And it was like childlike wonderment. Yeah, and absolutely. It, and, I know. I totally fell in love with it. Mm -hmm. um, I, I remember sharing internally like departments was like, we need to play with something like mm -hmm. this. We need to create something like this. Um, th there was this art car parade. Which oh, Houston. I didn't even know what Burning Man was at this point. Yeah. Like, this is before all of this. And it was in Houston. And Houston has one of the best collectors of cars um, that are art pieces ever. I have a dear friend, Evelyn, that uh, is a big part of this. Yeah. And I met her 
um, at a city meeting. We're sitting at this table and we're like, we have this idea. We're going to project on the conference center behind you guys. It'll be the perfect for the TV shot. And we're going to make the building melt and fill with water. And everybody's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> it, no, and that was before we did 3D renders. I really learned fast that if you have some grandiose idea, you better be able to... Yeah. show that vision on yeah. a piece of paper that can be shared otherwise you, you i mean it's you you can't get uh water from a stone like no. you need to show people what's yes. going on um and we go to these meetings and the the city of houston donated to make one of these projects happen oh wow and so all of a sudden we're in it and this has to happen and there was a lot of beautiful collaborators come in some new artists some different technicians and all of a sudden, I'm on top, I'm in Discover Green, downtown Houston, with six projectors. It's two in the morning, and the show's in the next day, and nothing's working. Oh, this is your first time. This is the first show oh. ever, and like, nothing's coming together. We chose a really hard thing. Instead of just like a flat surface, which was the middle, we had these two huge cylinders to project on, and I... I, I, I the reason I got into video to begin with was... I had always loved this lighting, and there was this control consoles for it, and they invented these beautiful things called media servers. Mm -hmm. And media servers are boxes that can do anything with video if you know how to talk to them. Yeah. And they could communicate with my lighting console. So mm -hmm. all of a sudden, instead of having like 20 colors to play with and 15 different shapes that I'd have to use creatively, which yeah. people do really awesome stuff with that, I had millions of colors and an unlimited amount of the shapes to control and contort and put somewhere. So like all of the lights went off mm -hmm. and everything was just, I, I remember so fast going through, I was reading manuals and going <laughs> like, which is boring, but like I, I went through every aspect of every attribute that you can control on these things. I was like, how can we do this? Mm -hmm. And so back we're, we're in front of this building and nothing's working. Uh, we're so young. Like we were like, Oh, you, we thought we could project through glass. Which is great because glass is reflective, right? Absolutely. So um, we had paid a whole bunch of cash to have white butcher paper put up on the inside of this building because it was cheap. Um, and it took like three days to cover this 80, I think it was 80 feet by 60 foot surface with paper on the inside. On the inside of the building. On the inside of the building, okay. which made total sense because it was glass, yeah, right? Yeah. It was clear. We could see through it. Yeah. Um, we were really young. Um, so that <laughs> night we turned the projectors on and the side projectors are really bright. Nothing's lined up yet. Uh. The inside projector, it's like a third of the other two. It turns out most glass on any building has a 5 to 50% like drop um, to protect oh, for UV yeah. and protect for just people inside. Yeah. You don't see it, mm -mm. but it's not going to reflect video. So oh, when you shoot the man. video in, hits it, and it bounces back so you can see it, yeah, it was like 20%. So we're freaking out, middle of the night, uh, can't call any of the heads of the departments, have to find a solution. We run back to the shop. We get uh, safety cables. We get harnesses. We get all of the stuff we use to rig rock and roll stuff on, like on in in venues. And Justin strings this cable across the top of the building. Oh my God. And we get two guys in harnesses. We had so much butcher paper left over, thankfully. Yeah. And they're dropping it over the side of the building. <laughs> and I've got scissor lifts that are like, luckily there was a, a balcony in front of where we were trying to do this projection. And there's these amazing guys in scissor lifts going up with tape. And we're taping paper to the side of a building, like five <laughs> oh stories God. up in the air. It's Houston. We're praying there's no rain going to happen. Oh, you're right. Oh, my God. And, and we get it up. And the first night, we get about a third of it done. 
We tested it. We're like, it works. Okay, it works. And then about four that morning, somehow we got the little points pulled around in this in, in this beginning of a program that's supposed to do really cool stuff. And mm-hmm. we, we warped it. We mapped it. And we, I don't think any of us slept that night. <laughs> like yeah. we, we walked away about 5 a.m. And it's, uh, we, we discovered something that still happens to this day. It's called burning darkness. You know, it's like uh-huh. everybody's like burning day. Oh, we oh, call yeah, it burning yeah. daylight. In film. Instead of burning the midnight oil. Yeah. We were like, we had to, until the sun came up and we couldn't see. And for, like every show we do, it's always, when is the sun going to come up? And can we go home? Yeah. And will the project happen? <laughs> and, and I guess that leads into another thing. Like a lot of things we do are... We live, like, to live for that breath turns into, we say yes to everything. Yes. We, like, we're really good at what we do, but Mm -hmm. to continually be cutting edge or bleeding edge, as one of my old bosses puts it, Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's, you're always going to bleed to make those things happen. Mm -hmm. And, And this is the beginning of that. Yeah. Uh, and this was one of the first in the United... If this was the first in North this, America... This right? was... what we It was the first large-scale projection mapping in America. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing had been done on this scale before. Yeah. Now, it, the, the history of our, our this profession, which I'm so glad it's grown to what it has, mm-hmm. people were coming from different directions. There was video designers, there was lighting designers, there was just people doing it. Mm-hmm. And they all had a different take on it. Mm-hmm. Um, we, it's, it was, we just happened to be there when we were there. Wow. Um, I mean, there's, there's some other amazing companies that... Continual to amaze me every day, and I, I love the competition. And I love <laughs> no, it's we all have to be better because I think we're all chasing that same thing of Absolutely. how can we make this incredible? Yeah. Um, so there we are that morning. We finally go to bed or leave all of us. We come back the next day. We put all the rest of the white paper on the building, and uh, we're about to start the show. And we're about 30 seconds before, and we're all have this... No, it wasn't 30 seconds. It was like a minute and a half before. And we all have this countdown. We're all wearing headsets. Uh-huh. And the computer crashes. Oh, my God. Friggin' just <laughs> fell apart. Oh, my God. And I'm like, I restarted. Literally five seconds before the show was supposed to oh happen. It was all on time code. It had to pick up this thing yeah, and run yeah. with it. The computer turned back on. The soundboard hit the time code. The show started. And it was magic. Wow. Wow. Like, these beautiful art cars driving by with fire flying off of them. Oh. Um, we used to do this thing, and I wish we'd do it more, was we would wear ears at front of house. Yes. So, no, you, I remember. I've seen all those pictures. You wear so, rabbit ears. Yeah. Uh, so, And we hadn't put them on yet. <laughs> <laughs> and it's always been Justin. Well, let's just call him Cupcake. Yeah, that's Cupcake. Who it is. So, I call everybody. That's, he, he does this, and that's why he's awesome. Is he, he started it with this, and he got us all rabbit ears. My, my nickname's Rabbit. Yep. Uh, Cupcake's Cupcake. Our, yep. our company is called Rab Cup, because mm-hmm. uh, it was Rabbit and Cupcake, whatever. Yeah, um, yep. But yeah, he had these ears and like the show's going, he pulls them out, he gives them to all of us. I remember my my assistant, who's now an, an awesome designer in, in the same world, mm-hmm. Nathan, he he was reluctant to put the ears on, oh. but when he puts the ears on, everything was cool. <laughs> and we were rocking and it, and that was it. It started there. Yeah. Um, and then it went on YouTube and then we did a couple more. And it just exploded. Yeah. And nobody in this country had ever seen anything like that. Mm-mm, no. And we were flooded with calls in so a market. Um, so we started that. And we moved to California. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> um, when everybody I'm else so was moving from California to Texas because it was too expensive. And we're like, let's go to California. This makes <laughs> sense. 
the first thing that strikes me is that, you know, a lot of people, you want to follow your passion, that kind of thing, mm -hmm. um, or whatever you want to call it. But for you, that meant becoming a very, very technically knowledgeable person about software that nobody knew anything about. I mean, you're one of the few operators in the world of a lot of the software that you use. I mean, you, when you said you chase that breath, mm -hmm. I mean, it's one thing to say that philosophically. It's another thing to say it practically in what you did to actually make that happen was a lot of hard work, a lot of hard work. And secondly, it was actually having to make decisions. I think this is something a lot of people can relate to too, is when you're on a bleeding edge, a lot of times, most of the time, nobody wants to go with you. And no. I know with like in marketing, we had the social media revolution and then everybody's blowing up and freaking out. And that's like a, a teeny tiny example. Um, this, on the other hand, in an industry that had a lot of set ways, and companies that had set things that they're going to do, you're like, but we need to do this now. And <laughs> you've had to keep moving up and out and up and out, even out of your own comfort friend base mm -hmm. home. You know, um, I'm glad you're here. I mean, how how do you find L.A. as opposed to... I do you mean, know, I, I wouldn't change anything about the entire process. Um, L.A. has been interesting. Yeah. I love it here. Let me let me start with that. I, I love it here. <laughs> we, we live at this in this beautiful town of change. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't ready for the change when I first got here. Oh. When when I first moved here, um, the first year, I immediately was like, meet friends, went out to clubs, found life again, and, and started to to live. To, the business was going in its own direction. It was starting to grow. But like personally, I needed to find this grounding. Mm -hmm. And... I met some really amazing people and mm -hmm. they and they were here and we were having fun and we were like camping and going to parties and then everybody left all of a sudden not for like the friendships over there's still really dear friends out there oh, yeah. but LA is really a transient town mm -hmm. and yep. I, I did not realize that yeah very much so and that changed a lot of like my view of it, it was the end of a lesson that I've been trying to learn for many, many years. Mm -hmm. When I was in Texas, um, we were, alongside while the business was doing that, we're creating things, we were also doing a lot of Burning Man world. Let me back up a little bit. Sure. Somewhere in the midst of Houston, I got drugged into a party one night, and there was, there was this band playing, and there was fire, the bar was on fire with propane cannons, a woman jumped from the top of a building and did this amazing acrobatic routine. The band was called Mutator. Mutator. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> and I had no idea what this kind of outlet was. Like I was doing my thing, like spending every hour of every day being lighting and video and learning all I could about that. And schedule is crazy. But then all of a sudden, this thing, which turned out to be Burning Man World, showed up in my life. Yeah. And everything flips. <laughs> it flipped on. Like, nothing yeah, changed. Yeah. It just got better. Life yeah. got more interesting. What I about mean, it did that for you? It, the energy of the people around me, the, the, like, there was this qualitative growth of people doing awesome stuff together at once. For, for what, why were they doing it? Just... <laughs> to do it just for fun. no there was it, it was I, I think we're here to talk about play I, they were having fun they were having fun they were i had never oh. seen people do this before mm, uh, at that level of like like uh, engineers chemists scientists lawyers mm. people from all walks of life like that are highly evolved and having a beautiful time yeah 
using all that energy yeah for anybody that wants to be part of this beautiful group of people that's the weird part to me is mm-hmm. that i always thought artists do these things artists mm-hmm. are out there doing their art and chemists are in labs and you know physicists not physicians physicists and astro whatever like the uh-huh. stuff Stevie does um all those people are out there in their like little offices somewhere and they're not it's not that I didn't think they were creative, but it just would never have occurred to me. And then I move here and I'm exposed to this Burning Man culture. And it's people who, like, you're highly technical. Usually people ask you to come and speak. and I mean, you're really advanced in your field, you know, and a lot of these people are. And yet they come and they use all those skills that they use to save lives and send things into space mm-hmm. to make giant Tesla coils. Oh, yeah, or, or just blinky <laughs> stuff. Or, that sounds really just cool. <laughs> It's uplifting. Yeah, it really I, I, is. I can. I get so excited this time of year. I, I mean, I've, I've I've gone to this thing for so many years, and I think there's 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 a curve in there of like where you're involved or what you can be involved in, and like how you. It's like the growth that we all have. Yeah, like we all grow at different rates, and there's you're you're good at this and you're not good at that. But going to this burn world, you can be good at anything. Mm-hmm. And you can get anything out of it you want. Mm-hmm. And people always ask, like, well, what's it about? What's this thing? I'm like, it doesn't matter. What are you looking for? Yes. Uh, and it could be whatever you want it to be. Mm-hmm. And it's it's the continual re-understanding that I do not in any way know anything. Yeah. And that I, 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 I'm a huge introvert. I, it might, I, I'm an introvert, extrovert. I love to be out there. I love to be out there. I love to do stuff. Yeah. I love to sit at home and just not do anything. And mm-hmm. like, and I'm really comfortable in huge groups of people that I know. Mm-hmm. Or if like when I'm doing a show, I'm the man behind the curtain, yeah. so I can be anything. Yeah. When I go to these events and I'm walking around with uh, with my partner, sometimes I'm really, really scared. And sometimes I'm like, I don't know if I can walk into those camp over there. Aww. And they're just having margaritas or whatever yeah. they're doing. Yeah. But it's... Um, it's amazing how quickly we can go from being totally comfortable in the situation to being so self-conscious of ourselves, even though we don't know who we are. Because uh, I don't think, like, I still don't know who I am from day to day. It's, um, I'm still confused a lot of the time about, like, I, I don't, it's not to be out there, but it's more about, like, where's the field self? Like, yeah, where, where's yeah. the, uh, where's the soul want to, want to relax on for the day? Mm-hmm. And... I think the burn in that world is an exercise like college or grad school for some people. Mm. It's, uh, it is fundamentally just experimenting with social reality around you. So it's not just to create something and do it. Like, it's like they have, you have your work life of what you know how to do and then you go create something amazing. It's beyond just showing off your skills and doing something fun. There's a huge social aspect to it. I think that's the bigger part. I mean, there's a lot of people creating bright, shiny stuff. Yeah, and yeah. Like, we all get into that. Like we, we had this beautiful opportunity last year to do an art piece at The Burn. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it was the most exciting thing I've ever done in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, we uh, we installed some cameras and right in, right at the center of the burn, uh, they took pictures of everybody to let them see into their souls a little bit. It was it was called Mirrors of My Own. Yes. Uh, I think the theme last year was mirrors. Or... It was a carnival of mirrors. Carnival, carnival of mirrors, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, this is really important to me. Mm-hmm. It, it, yeah. it was uh, my mother, um, back to her, the nurse, uh, researched the mirror. Uh, she's done all her doctoral studies and how... The mirror affects self and in how in healing and in hospital situations and in terminal patients, historically, they don't let you see yourself. 
Wow. I, I don't even know. Like, most of us don't even think about that because we, we're all here right now and not on a hospital bed wondering what's on the other side. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it goes along with palliative care of, like, how do you take care of people once they're in there? Yeah. The only mirror was in the bathroom and you had to be able to get up to go to it. Mm. There was no... And when people would come by, they would tell your relatives that it's probably better to not tell them how bad they look. Mm. Just tell them that you love them and brush their hair. Which is really interesting because you're brushing their hair so they look good because it feels good. Yeah. But not so they can see themselves. And she, her, her journey was into what if you just see that? Because... I, her, her view was in the morning, we all get up, we look in the mirror. And in fact, you have mirrors in your house. I do. Kara, and I'm looking in a couple right now. And <laughs> it reminds me that I'm myself. Yeah. Uh, even though it's the reverse reflection <laughs> of me. Um, but her, in her research, she found that it was so much better when immediately after trauma, uh, cancer patients, mastectomies, to immediately see themselves. And before their families showed up, it was a little better to have that moment of knowing mm-hmm. who you are. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what my art piece at the burn was last year was in reflection of self in this moment of joy that we're all mm-hmm. going for and at the center of this thing where we're looking at this beautiful man above us. What if you had a moment to see yourself? Yeah. So we let people take pictures of themselves within a broken mirror of many faces. So it looked yeah. like thousands of them. And then uh, I, I, my dear friend Meg and her company they do awesome, awesome interactive video artwork. They wrote some code that just blew my socks so off. Amazing. Uh, they played with Google's Deep Dream. They did these wonderful face for face refractions, but they took a lot to process. So it was yeah. like some heavy code. So by the time you walked up the stairs outside of this, and you looked at the balcony down at this little area in the center of the burn, mm-hmm. you saw your image. You probably saw it by oh, accident, yeah. but it was uh, sometimes twisted, sometimes beautiful. But always not the reflection you thought you'd see. Exactly. Because in, like, in this heightened state of joy that we're all in in that moment, what happens if we let this computer take another look at you? Mm-hmm. And what if the, refre- refre- the reflection is not exactly you, but it's, it, but it's still you? It's, yeah. It's a mirror of yourself. Yeah. But the world sees you in so many different ways. Exactly. I got I I loved it. Every time it I saw amazing. my photo, I I saw a different version of myself. I know. Um, Even it, when it was just a normal photo, it was mm-hmm. so strange to see it there. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a little observation deck kind of place where we would just sit there and watch. And I just, yeah, it was really special. It really wow. The, the <laughs> context we saw ourselves in was really really special. Yeah. And and that's the and that's the cool thing is here's just in one example of one of the projects that you do that you think through to this extent and you put these things together and you're thinking how can I get that breath and that's exactly yeah. what happened there I love that was one of my favorite things one of the reasons I would sit in the observation deck area and just look down is that people would be like oh, look it's me you know? <laughs> Yes. Look how weird my face looks. Ah, <laughs> I'm a leopard. You know? uh-huh. But that was the first time they'd seen themselves. There. Yeah. Not that anybody needs to see themselves ever in a situation like that. Like we're all dancing, throwing makeup on, yeah, and running exactly. around like silly kids. But <laughs> a moment of that is okay. Yeah, absolutely. We're not doing anything this year, are we, Kara? Nope. We're running a camp and that's it. It's yeah. Be super and simple. I, and I think there's, there's something magical about going back to that. Mm-hmm. Um, we've... In this, like, there's not, it's not fantasy, it's not play, but in trying to find, like, this playground, I felt like I was, 
an usher into a candy store yeah. in the last couple of years. Yeah. Not that all of it wasn't beautiful, yeah. but you know what? I'm really, I'm looking forward to going there this year and just being. Ah, oh, yes. I, I just, I, the last few years, and it's been strange this year, the last few years, that, and before the year before I met you guys, you've been doing Coachella art installations. You've done many beautiful pieces out there and um, work in, in sometimes just on your own and sometimes in collaboration with other artists. And I would go with. So the last few years, I went along kind of as an assistant to different art pieces and things like that. But you're right. You're not actually participating in the event. You're on shifts. You're trying to get things to work. You're up all night get, making sure the lighting's right and Absolutely. the cryochrome yeah. and oh. on the helmet of the astronaut <laughs> and all the things you guys do. Um, and then what, coming straight off of that into a, se a season, of, instead of just for fun, pr preparation for the burn, it was got to get all the video panels out and got to, you know, and so it was, it was definitely was fun for me. I, I was so excited that I got to work on something last year. It felt, it was an amazing feeling. Oh, it was but, great to have you there. But I think a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people that I've known from that go to Burning Man, um, there, there seems to be this sense of bitterness. Now, yes, there's, it's all the changes in the Borg and all this, whatever. <laughs> but I think also um, probably even bigger than that is that they've been working so hard that it's just like another job to them. And and I, on the other hand, who was new to it just a few years ago, was like, ah, it's a playground, woohoo. Um, but the thing is, you know, if we, I'm glad you guys are doing this and I'm glad you're saying this just to go back to just be. Mm -hmm. Because I think that if we do take that time, if it's something that's that special, it's like you never want to work in the restaurant that's your favorite neighborhood pub. You know, you never want to, you know, kind of sully it so much that you can't see it for no. the fun anymore. And I, w I want to be surprised. Yeah. I, I, was, I love creating things and yeah. I love making dreams reality. Mm -hmm. But I only like doing that because somebody else dreamed something for me at one point and yeah. it's time to dream again. Thank you, AJ, so much. I'm so glad we got to do this now. Thank you for the invitation. Let's go to Barbara's. Let's do that. I think it's time for another one. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. You'll find videos and links to Rabcup's work at playgrounding.com slash 15. I'll also make sure to post links to their Facebook page so you can be the first to hear about their new projects. I think they're pretty amazing, don't you? Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. I'll see you next time.